0: Again, if you have a Bible, please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. If today is your first time to be with us or your first time to be with us in a while, I'll catch you up to speed. We've challenged our church for this year to memorize all of Ephesians three, fourteen through 21, which some of you are doing and, and some of you are hearing for the first time, even though you've been with us. Uh, somebody told me recently, oh, you're challenging us to memorize that? I'm like, yes, I've said it so many times, so I'll say it again. We're challenging you to memorize Ephesians three fourteen through 21, because we think that this uh, will help you grow in your relationship with Christ. This is our theme passage, and, and I believe there's synergy. I think there's power knowing that we're doing this together. We're not doing this alone. Now, this sermon series, this is the last installment of this part of the sermon series looking at Ephesians 3, and there's been three of them, and I've looked at it through the lens of our vision focus. We have seven commitments as a church. We've condensed them down to three focus areas for this year, which is Christ in you, Christ in others, and Christ in families. So the way that we've approached Ephesians three, fourteen through 21 is looking at it through a different lens. And this morning we're going to look at it through the lens of Christ in you. This is about spiritual formation. This is about you as an individual and Christ reigning within you. So we're going to start with this text starting in verse 14, something we've read multiple times during the sermon series If you have a Bible, I encourage you to follow along. I'm going to be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, but some of the things you'll see on the PowerPoint come from the NIV. In verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. I bow my knees before the Father. Paul is a prisoner for Christ, writing to the church in Ephesus, and here he tells us what he's praying for for this church, and he says, I bow my knees, I kneel before the Father. We don't know if Paul actually got down on his knees in a prison cell, or maybe if he just means it another way. But it makes me think, how do you pray? I've asked this question to our small group, to the youth group, to different classes that I've taught. How do you pray? When when you pray... When do you pray? How do you pray? And, and most of the feedback that I've received are people pray when they're laying in bed, maybe at night or early in the morning. Uh, people pray in their living room. People pray when they're outside on the porch drinking their coffee. Uh, a lot of people pray in, in different times throughout the day, maybe short prayers. Uh, most people close their eyes when they pray. Some people say that they pray when they're driving around. Does anybody pray while you drive? I I know I do that, and my encouragement to everybody is don't close your eyes if you're praying while you're driving. But there's several different ways that we pray. Paul himself says pray without ceasing, so life should be about prayer and connecting with the Father, but here Paul has this kind of formal, reverent tone, for this reason I kneel before the Father. There's nowhere in Scripture that tells us that that's a command, that you have to kneel down or bow down when you pray. It's kind of a form of reverence or submission. But as one commentator said, his name is Warren Worsby, he said that what's more important is not so much our physical posture when we pray, but what's more important is that we bow our hearts and our wills to the Lord. If you study the Apostle Paul, he did that. He lived his life in a constant state of being bowed before the Father, and that's what I think, in essence, what this prayer is about, is about bowing ourselves, our hearts, and our wills before the Father. What do you pray for when you normally pray? You don't have to answer that out loud. Just think about it. What do you normally pray for when you're going through the list, or when you're praying? Are you reciting prayers, or do you have a list of, of people that you pray for, and my research for for myself from asking this question, it seems like to me most people pray for friends, family, and physical healing. And those are good things to pray for. I pray for friends, family, and physical healing. But as I've read through and reflected on Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, this prayer, I realize that what Paul is praying for does not sound like what I normally pray for. And I imagine what Paul is praying for does not sound like what you normally pray for. But part of memorizing this text, part of being with this prayer, is is we want it to influence how you pray and what you pray for. I want it to influence how I pray and what I pray for. So he starts by saying, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, verse 15, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. We spent some time on verse 15 last week as we looked at Uh, This prayer through the lens of Christ and families. And then we get into this prayer, and right away in verse 16, he says, I pray that according to the riches of his glory. Or the NIV says, I pray that out of his glorious riches. And that's where Paul begins. He's saying, I pray out of the glorious riches of the Father. There's an old tradition that in Australia that the ranches that they have, usually in dry lands, that there's really two main ways of keeping their cattle on the ranch. One of the ways is to build a fence. And if you build a giant fence around the ranch, you'll keep the cattle in. The problem with that is it's time-consuming, it's hard work, and it takes a lot of money and maintenance to keep up with the fence. But as the tradition goes, the other way of keeping the cattle in is to dig a water well. And then you don't even have to mess with a fence because the water will be there and the cattle will not stray too far because they know where their life source comes from. It comes from that water. And when Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious, out of his glorious riches, to me, it's, I'm not seeing a, a bounded set where God has placed a fence around us saying you have to stay in here, but what God is saying, what Paul is saying through this prayer, is God has provided a well and that we need to keep drinking from that well. He gives us, he offers us something to draw from. And Paul says it's out of his glorious riches that we pray and we ask these requests. And then in verse 16 Says, I pray that He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Some people have said this prayer is kind of wordy, and it sort of is. But out of the many times that I've read through this prayer, this is the thing that grabs me the most. This line right here, this request, this has become a part of my prayer on Saturday nights as I'm reviewing over the sermon and doing final preparations. And and I'm thinking about my own inadequacies. I'm praying for this. It's not about me, but it's about God giving me strength through His power, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ through His Spirit in my inner being. This is Christ in you. When we say Christ in you, Christ in others, Christ in families, this is spiritual formation. This is Christ living in you, strengthening you in your inner being. Uh, Last fall, 2018, a guy named Chris Gursky and his wife traveled to Switzerland on vacation. And while they were there, they made a decision that they wanted to go hang gliding. And you might have seen the video, or once you see the picture here in just a second, you might remember this on the news from back in 2018 but Chris Gursky paid for a guide or a pilot to take him hang gliding and it was going to be this exhilarating experience and the picture that you're seeing is from a GoPro that was attached to the hang glider and they run they take off and very quickly they're 4,000 feet in the air and they're traveling at a very high speed there's only one big major problem the guide forgot to attach Chris's harness so as you watch for the next two minutes and 14 seconds, if you watch the video, Chris Gursky is hanging on for his life. Uh, he is not attached by anything. In, in this video, it's not long, but if you place yourself in Chris's shoes, you can see how frightening that would be. He's holding on with two hands, holding on the pilot, holding on the bar. At one point, one hand slips, and he's just hanging by one hand, and he's just hanging thousands of feet in the air hanging on for his life, and one slip, and he's gone. Well, finally, the pilot was able to, to find a place to land, and they come in for a crash landing, and, and Chris lives. He hit the ground pretty hard. He snapped his wrist, had to have wrist surgery, but was able to have a good sense of humor about it, posted the video online. That's when it went viral, and uh, he lived. He survived. He said that what he was thinking while he was in the air is, this is really beautiful, but I'm about to die. That's what he kept thinking the whole time. Uh, you know, kind of a scary story. It's scary to watch the video, tore bicep tendon from hanging on. But as a preacher, I guess I hear news stories, and sometimes I'm, I'm thinking, well, I wonder if that could be a sermon illustration. And as I'm, as I'm watching this video, I'm, the only thing I'm thinking is, that's kind of an image for how most of us live our lives. Like, I just feel like we're just barely hanging on. We're overstressed, we're overstimulated, we're overworked, or we're over whatever it may be, and we just feel like we're barely hanging on, going from one thing to the next, and, and most of the time what the problem is is what's going on inside of us, our inner person. So Paul says, let's pray for strength, that we'll be strengthened in our inner being, but we know that something has gone wrong with our inner being. Studies show, and it's true. That America is now the most anxious country in the world. That anxiety disorders are at an all-time high. Depression problems are at an all-time high. You know, most Americans are experiencing some inner turmoil. There's something that has gone wrong inside of us. And, and a lot of people, those problems have led to coping mechanisms, which have led to addictions. And, and we just see all over the place, people are struggling inwardly. Like something's off balance. Something isn't going right. Something has gone wrong with the inner being that Paul is praying that we be strengthened in our inner self. I read a book recently by a guy named Archibald Hart, Dr. Archibald Hart. The book is called The Anxiety Cure. Great book. I recommend it. But one of the things that he says over and over in the book is that we are designed to go at a camel's pace. That's how God created us. That's how ancient people lived in this world. They're not going to travel faster than what a camel will take you. That's how we're designed. But he said in the highly technological world that we live in, we move at a jet speed pace. And he said we're just not created to live like that, so something's got to give. Something's got to give, and usually what gives is our inner self gets all out of whack and something is wrong. A popular preacher and Christian author named Erwin McManus wrote a book recently called The Way of the Warrior. But what really grabs me, especially in light of this topic, is the subtitle of this book is The Ancient Path to Inner Peace. As I read through this book, Erwin McManus, who's been a devout disciple of Jesus for many years, been a preacher, well known author, he admits in this book, after all these years, there's still these battles that rage within me. And we could probably all say that. The internal conflict, the, the mental battles that we go through. Right? And he, he calls them inner demons. He said we still struggle with that, even if we've been following Jesus for a long time. But what he points to is all the chaos in the world, the evil, the violence, and things like that. And he says that the world will never know peace Until we can discover inner peace. And the only way to find inner peace is to find that through Jesus. Because something has gone wrong and we need some inner peace. We need to be strengthened in our inner being. That's why you'll probably hear me often talk about spiritual disciplines. I've said it over and over in different sermons, we've done these church-wide challenges over the last year, where we challenge you to maybe spend 15 minutes of quiet time, or we challenge you in specific prayer time, we challenge you with Bible study or memorization and meditation, We, we give you these different challenges, these spiritual disciplines, because the Bible tells us if you come near to God, He will come near to you. We need to be strengthened in our inner being, but we have to take some steps towards God. We can't just... Offer up this prayer and just hope that all of a sudden everything will get better. If you're struggling in your inner being right now, take some steps towards God. And the part of the prayer that Paul starts with, he said, I pray that out of his glorious riches, out of that well that we can drink from, out of his glorious riches, I pray that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And then in verse 17 he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That's the kind of language that we do here often in our Western individualized culture, is that Christ is in my heart. We say things like, I invited Jesus into my heart, or, or we say things like, I feel Jesus in my heart. Sometimes we reduce it down to just a feeling. But what Paul is praying for and praying about in verse 17, is he is literally praying that Christ... Jesus, the King, our Lord, will take up residence within you. He will make his home in your heart as you take steps towards him, as he strengthens you in your inner being. Jesus will come to rule your life, to to live. And as Dallas Willard used to say about discipleship, we would live life as if Jesus were living his life through us, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And then he goes on throughout this prayer, some of the things we've already looked at as he prays for for us to be rooted and established in love. He says in verse 18, I pray that you have the power to comprehend with all the saints. We do this together, which we talked about last week with Christ and families. What is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. There's another thing that catches my attention in this prayer. To know this love of Jesus, the height, the width, the depth, all of that. To know that love that surpasses knowledge. That's a paradoxical statement. It it seems funny to pray that you can know something that's unknowable. There's a, a French author that's believed to have said these words. He said, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and work. But rather, teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. The obvious point is, if you want people to help you build a ship, don't just tell them to go to work and start doing these things. But no, teach them to long, to explore the ocean. To have a desire for the endless immensity of the sea. And once that desire is in them, well, the obvious thing is they're going to be motivated to go build that boat. Because they want to go explore the ocean. And so what Paul is praying for is that out of his glorious riches we may be strengthened with power through his Spirit in our inner being so Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. I think what Paul is trying to get us to do is to have a desire with all of our being outwardly and inwardly to know this all-encompassing love of Jesus Christ. And once we long and have a longing to know that love, these things will be poured into us. To have a longing for God. To drink from that well of His glorious riches and to find continual strength in our inner being. He wraps the prayer up with what we would call a a doxology and often churches use this as a, a benediction and it's these beautiful words Now to Him, and I'm reading from the NRSV, it's NIV up there. Now to Him, who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And for the final time for this sermon series, let's all together say, Amen. So what a great prayer, what a great way to wrap it up. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine. Once a month, I, I do the men's chapel at Highway 80. And so this past Tuesday night, I was teaching and doing their chapel service. And, and I usually do a short lesson, try to give them some sort of encouragement, a message from the word. And usually it correlates with something I'm about to preach or have preached here at Pine Tree. And uh, I walked in Tuesday night. My plan was to just preach on this, on Ephesians three fourteen through 21. Now, they like music, and I'm not a musician, and I can't sing. And so the routine when I get there is, what video would you like us to play? Because they know I'm not going to sing, so they'll usually play YouTube videos that have some Christian music in it, and I'll usually pick a song. So I told them, look up this song, Now to Him, by a group called Acapella. And they looked it up, and most of these people don't have a Church of Christ background, so they're not used to a cappella music. So they look it up, and this is a picture from the video that I showed. Most of you who know Rodney know that Rodney's in this picture up on stage. I don't know when this is from. I'm guessing sometime in the early 90s. But we showed this video during the lesson Tuesday night, and the song now to him is taken from Ephesians 3:20 I would encourage you to go listen to it at some point today you can find it on YouTube but I'm preaching on it and then I pause we play the song and I can tell a difference in their eyes as they're listening to this these words put to music and it's like it clicked and it connected with them in a different way on a different level just to hear it sung And then when it was over, they clapped and I was like, all right, you know, they've accepted the acapella music style. You know, I was happy for that, but just to hear these words, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. And then he ends this prayer and it's just this beautiful prayer that just doesn't sound like the way that I normally pray. And maybe this doesn't sound like how you normally pray, but this is beginning to influence how I pray. So we started this sermon series off by looking at the three different camera lens, Christ in you, Christ in others, Christ in families. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. A lot of this vision focus was influenced by a guy named Patrick. He lived in the 4th century, Grew up in a Christian home, in a church, was raised in England, and then as a teenager, he was kidnapped by some pirates and sold as a slave to Ireland. And he spent the next six years as a slave in Ireland, having grown up with some roots, being rooted and grounded in love, so he knew Christ, but living as a slave all the nights of fear and not knowing what's going to happen to him, not knowing if he'll ever be free or get to go home again, what happened during that time was he relied heavily on his prayer life. And during those six years as a slave, God strengthened him in his inner being and Christ dwelled in his heart through faith. Well, after six years, one day he was able to escape and and get back home, and he made it back to England. And, And during those six years, he had become such a devout disciple of Jesus that he went and got a formal theological education. He became a parish priest for the next two decades. But after two decades, now in his late 40s, he received what we call the Macedonian call, like Paul received in the book of Acts where he felt this prompting, maybe it was a dream, maybe it was a vision, but he felt this great need to go back to Ireland, to go back to the place where he had been a slave for six years, and to bring the gospel to him. So he got a team together, they traveled to Ireland, and within the next few years, the first church of the Christian movement had been planted in Ireland. And he stayed there for 28 more years. And then by the time he died, they had reached 40 of the 150 tribes in Ireland. And then within two generations after his death, they had reached all of Ireland. When he was a slave there, it was considered the least Christianized area in the Roman Empire. And by the time, just two generations after he died, it was the most Christianized area in the Roman Empire. So he had this vision, he had this calling to go and to be a missionary... But that started during those childhood years that was formed in a deeper and deeper way during those years as a slave when God was working on him and strengthening him so that he could endure anything. His name is St. Patrick, and he wrote this prayer all those years ago called St. Patrick's Breastplate. And I think that's language from Ephesians 6, the armor of God. And this prayer has become a really popular prayer. It's been adapted over the years, and it's a pretty lengthy prayer, so I'm not going to read all of it to you, but I want to read just a few words from St. Patrick's Prayer Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ within me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ at my right, Christ at my left. And it goes on, and we could probably add to that Christ in you. Christ in others, and Christ in families. You know, this prayer has kind of influenced what we're focusing on for our vision this year. And that's my desire for you. That's our desire for this community. That's why we talk about who's your one, is we want Christ in you. We want Christ in others, and we want Christ in your family. And this morning, we're going to sing if this Song that's been put to lyrics. You know, Tony has led this song, Christ Above Me, the last two weeks to kind of get you used to the song. And we're about to sing this song that's an adaptation from the St. Patrick's Prayer. And I want you to reflect on the words as we sing it. I want you to think about what Christ in you really means to you right now as an individual. And if you are struggling, especially struggling in your inner being, and you know what that means if you're struggling with it. whatever other struggles you may have, please find one of our elders, find one of our shepherds who will be around the room, one will be up front with me, and just pray with them, talk with them. If you've never put on Christ in baptism and you want to start that journey of Christ in you, Christ in me today, that invitation will be for you as well. Uh, The offering for the invitation is yours. Let's stand and sing.